Going Linux, episode 301. Open source for online media. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you're new to Linux, upgrading of Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in Going Linux. We hope that you'll find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and its applications and using them to get things done. If you want, you can send us feedback at our email. It's goinglinux at gmail.com or our voicemail is 1-904-468-7889. In today's episode, using open source for online media needs. Hey, Bill. Hey, Larry. How are you today? I'm doing great. It looks like we've got some interesting stuff going on today here. Yeah, we have an interesting uh, show. I think it's going to be a, actually a great show. We are going to be talking about open source software and services to meet your online media needs. Now, this can be a totally free or it can be an application running on some services that you've paid for. But they all have one thing in common, and that is they in some way use open source uh, application or services. Okay. So, with that being said, let's jump right in. Okay, let's jump in. <laughs> <laughs> let's jump in. Okay, so Larry, I'm sure you've heard of Facebook. Uh, right? yeah, vaguely. <laughs> okay. What if I told you there was other choices that might be better? Uh, that would be good. So, here's some questions for you. Why do you think people use Facebook to share their life's events, you know, their pictures, their chats, etc.? Why do you think they do that? Well, probably they share those life events because they have an interest in sharing it with family and friends, and that's just kind of human nature. But they probably use Facebook because that's what they're familiar with, and everybody that they know is on Facebook, so that's the platform they use. Okay. Well... I think one of the biggest reasons is that they see it as free. Mm -hmm. But you really should ask yourself, is it? Take a look at their terms of service. And I included the Facebook terms of service in the show notes. Yeah, I've I've looked at the Facebook terms of service, and you're right. It may be free of charge, but it's certainly not free from uh, restrictions or... Yeah, inspection or lack of privacy, <laughs> things like that. So basically, you, all your stuff belongs to them, basically. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I believe there's a better choice. Okay. And just going to kind of – you've heard of this software before, and it's called WordPress. WordPress. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Did you know you can go to WordPress.com and start – a free online blog? I knew that, yes. Oh, you did? Yes. Okay. But does everybody else know? Um, That's the question. Maybe not. It's pretty popular software, and it's certainly software that a lot of folks in the podcasting industry use for creating a blog or creating a website. So, yeah, for in the small tech circle that we kind of run in, it's certainly well-known and pretty popular, but maybe not everybody knows about it. So yeah. let's talk about it. 
Okay. Well, first off, you're saying, well, okay, well, what's the difference between Facebook and WordPress.com? Yeah, yeah. Well, you say, how can they offer their services free? Well, they have a unique uh, model. You can uh, buy optional upgrades, basically no ads, uh, custom fonts, that kind of stuff. Um, what I did is I started a blog over there to see how easy it was to get started. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see how many hoops they were going to make me jump through. <sighs> Boy, I tell you, it took me a long time. Oh, really? Yeah, four minutes. Oh, that's a long time, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's really pretty quick. That's four minutes from start to finish? Start to finish. Wow. That's right. Four minutes. I had a site up and running in under four minutes. And I was able to customize it. I have a bunch of templates that you can pick any type of uh, look you want and there's a whole bunch of them mm-hmm. um, there are some of the fonts that they offer that you have to upgrade if you want them but I really didn't see the need for it because I liked all the font the fonts that they showed it looked fine for me for what I wanted hmm. okay so in four minutes you get a blog up and running and it's not going to be a blog with your own personalized website it's it's going to be a my blog at wordpress.com or something like that, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But if you think about it, you can pick the, the name of it that you wanted the blog, and sometimes uh-huh. it's available and sometimes not. I sure. just went ahead and chose this generic because I was just wanting to see mm-hmm. how fast I could get it up. But I was looking, and I said, well, you know, before I recommend this, I, I want to see what WordPress's terms of service are. Sure, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty important. Yeah, okay. So I went and looked, and basically it's a lot different. Your stuff is yours. You're responsible for it, uh, and we don't want it. So you can check out their uh, terms of service. I also included a link in in the show notes, Mm -hmm. and it's totally different. There's not all these restrictions. I mean, it's just pretty much... You know, the stuff's yours. You need to be responsible for it. Have a nice day. Well, that that's pretty good. Um, so they they give you a free service, lets you establish a blog or a website, whatever you want to call it. It's it's essentially a website. You can use it as a blog. And can you store photos and pictures and things like that, that like you can on Facebook if we're going to be using this as a as a replacement for Facebook? Absolutely. They actually have a plugin that ha- puts up a photo gallery for you. Nice. So what kind of storage then do they have? Three gigabytes. Okay. That's the top limit or is that... That's the free limit. That's the free limit. Okay. So then you beyond that you pay. Yeah. Well, you know, three gigabytes is a lot of posts. Yeah. Unless you're posting videos or something like that. <laughs> Well, if you're posting videos, you should probably go ahead and and see about uh, either one going to a professional host mm-hmm. uh, or paying for their upgraded service because when you go to the upgraded service, you get a lot more bandwidth, you get a lot more storage. Sure. And so, I mean, for for a free uh, service, three gigabytes. I mean, that you can share a lot of pictures, you can do a lot of posts. Yeah, for absolutely. Three yeah, so the only thing that I would be concerned about in trying to use WordPress as a replacement for Facebook is not everybody's there. Uh, 
on WordPress. And certainly each person's blog or each person's website is going to be separate from one another. And one of the things that draws people to Facebook is everything is shared amongst everybody. And yeah, you have some privacy settings to block some people or share it with just some subset. But I suppose if you're interested in just sharing information within your family and you don't care about sharing what you ate this afternoon for lunch with the world, a WordPress blog might just fit that bill. Well, one of the reasons I, I say that you should use WordPress or a, another open source project, because there's several out there. Mm -hmm. uh, WordPress is just the best well-known. Is one, you control your data. Yeah. You pretty much uh, don't have Big Brother looking over your shoulder, constantly telling you, hey, thanks for that photo. Now we can use it for anything we want. Mm-hmm. And also, it's really not that difficult if you think about it. When people say, hey, I'm on Facebook, well, why can't you say, well, here's my website? Yeah. No, that, that's absolutely true. And and when you talk about these kinds of things, uh, I know you've provided a link to Facebook's terms of service and WordPress terms of service. Um, with Facebook, as we've already said, it's pretty onerous, that terms of service that they have, and they own everything. And one of the reasons that I have not really participated in Facebook all that much is their terms of service and the fact that they always seem to be changing it. And, you know, even though my whole family and all of their friends use it, Facebook, I'm still not convinced that that's where I want to be. Now, as we've talked about, WordPress is blogging software and it's really popular as I said, with podcasters, but I know there are also quite a few plugins uh, specifically designed for podcasting. Um, I've never considered that you could use it as a replacement for Facebook, but I think you, uh, you, you've, you've got a real good point there. Um, and speaking of plugins and add-ons to WordPress, I know there are a lot of themes and you talked about fonts and things like that. Uh, I know that some of those are free and some of those are paid for. Have I got that right? Yeah, on the WordPress site. Okay, so in, in addition to your free WordPress account and your website or blog that you've set up, you can change the theme, you can change the look and feel for free. And if you want to get really fancy or you want to take advantage of what some other folks have done, you can pay for some of the premium services, right? Yeah, basically. I mean, you you can have, say you want your site to look a certain way, but mm -hmm. you don't know how to do it. You can actually pay someone to build a theme for you. Okay. People do that. Yeah. So you could get it if you really wanted it to look like Facebook. I'm not sure why you'd want to do that. <laughs> but uh, if you really did, I suppose you could, uh, you could get a WordPress site to do that. Well, yeah. Uh, kind of... I, I kind of cheated here because I actually saw your question. So mm -hmm. I actually found a a theme called Crybook. Ah, okay. That will make your WordPress look very much like Facebook. Hmm. That's what I get for writing the questions down in advance. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I cheated. Uh, I've never been a fan of the way that Facebook lo looks. I think mm -hmm. it's looked like the interface was just thrown together and it's clunky when I used it. And I wasn't that impressed. Um, 
I am really impressed with the way uh, WordPress does it. And, you know, I actually host a WordPress blog, a personal one, on a commercial provider. Mm -hmm. And it was really, really cheap. And yes, it runs on Linux, of course. But what's interesting about that is that I like what WordPress is doing that I would probably even switch uh, when my, my renewal comes up to WordPress. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I like everything I do about it. I mean, you can make it look any, any way you want. I mean, um, if you can't find exactly what you're looking for, you can always change it yourself. You can pay someone. I mean, all you have to know is some HTML and CSS. Well, and, you know, if you're managing your own website, that's something you pretty much need to learn anyway, right? Well, yes and no. WordPress has made such, the program, the application now, has made such huge uh, progress that you can change a lot of stuff without ever looking at code. No, that's cool. That's that's really good. So WordPress is really the website maker for people who don't want to learn how to build a website. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, they... They constantly do the security updates and the plugins, and you know they keep every everything is pretty secure. So it really takes a lot of the administration out of your hands. Right. Yeah. And of course, you want to keep up with those security updates because if you don't, that opens you to possible hacking, like was done with the uh, unfortunate situation with uh, Linux Mint website getting hacked. But when you log into your administrator account, mm -hmm. it will actually tell you there's updates available. Right, right, absolutely. So, so pay attention to, to them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, usually you just say, "Do you want to install updates?" Yes, click done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, to be open uh, and upfront, I have never created a website using WordPress, but I have gone in and. Uh, provided some input and a little bit of WordPress management for some folks. And so I've, I've taken a look at it on the left-hand side. You get a big red indicator right there that you have updates or anything else that need attention. So if there's a new version of a plugin you're using, you get a notification right there. Uh, as the administrator of the site. And if you have any sort of security updates, they're right there with a red uh, uh, indicator as well. So you really can't miss them. So now that we've kind of discussed it, do you think I have a winner here or do you think it's still not ready? No, certainly WordPress is ready. It, it is definitely something that you can use. It's, it's ready to go. It, it fits the bill. And so if you have a desire to be able to use something like Facebook, but you really don't want to be on Facebook. You want something a little more private or you just want something you can manage yourself. Then WordPress is certainly one of the tools you can use. And if it's built on open source, that's great. Okay. Well, let's just shift gears here a little bit. You used a program to code the current going Linux podcast site and mm -hmm. it was called the maker. Right. Okay, so say someone already has a domain and they just want to get their hands dirty. What can you tell us about the maker? 
Okay, well, we talked about WordPress, and the Maker is kind of the opposite of WordPress. So WordPress has a really robust system of add-ons and plugins, and it's really easy to use and, get, you know, four minutes to get up and running. But the Maker is for um, a webmaster that wants a graphical user interface that acts like a content management system, but generates standard HTML and CSS pages for a website. Um, and so bottom line, without all the geek speak, it gives somebody uh, who is managing or creating a website lots of control using non-proprietary web pages. That's one of the disadvantages of WordPress is that you need WordPress to manage it. With the maker, you're creating a website using this tool, but when you're done, you have standard HTML and CSS web pages that you could have created by hand, but you're using the maker as a tool to create those in a graphical user interface and to manage them in a contact management system that is the maker. So it gives you a lot of control, but still gives you something that is based on standards. And of course, the maker is uh, based on open source as well. And the only disadvantage of the maker is the fact that the Linux version is several releases behind the Mac and Windows versions, but the Linux version is completely functional, works extremely well, and I use it every day for managing our web page, website. Yeah, I actually went to the Maker's site and I was kind of poking around, uh, and I saw another disadvantage. Okay. And, but it's not a huge one. I don't think it is a huge one. Uh was that you had to compile the program for Linux. Hmm. But you didn't have to compile it for Windows or Mac, or you didn't have to do anything. It was just ready to go. Right. Uh, like I said, it's not a big issue, but say someone who's uh, new to uh, compiling and stuff, you know, new to Linux, just wants to use it to get things done, uh, that might be kind of you know, be a turnoff because, you know, it's like, oh man, do I need, what do I need to do to compile this? And, you know, that's a whole separate issue. And what I don't understand is why don't they just create a standard dev and a standard RPM package? That would service about 90% of people using it. You know, uh, that's a good point. And although compiling a program like the Maker is well documented on their website and it's actually pretty easy to do if, if you don't mind, you know, going into a terminal and issuing a couple of commands based on what they tell you to do. If you follow the instructions, it's really pretty quick. Um, I think it would be a lot more adopted in the Linux world if there was a dev package or an RPM package. Of course, that would be one more thing for them to manage. And if they're not updating the Linux software version of this cross-platform website maker, uh, I don't expect that they're going to take the time to create and manage a dev or an RPM. I, I really think that although it's a great tool and the Linux version works extremely well and is pretty dependable and reliable, they're not really putting a lot of effort into it. So I wouldn't expect, unless it comes from the community somewhere, I wouldn't expect a Deb or an RPM to be available. And, and quite frankly, if I knew more about packaging software into a Deb or an RPM, I'm sure it's relatively easy. 
but I don't know enough about it to do it. I, I would have done it myself if, if I knew more about yeah, it. Yeah, but if they don't update it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be as if they'd have to do a lot of work. <laughs> no, that's true, but I'd rather see them update the software than yeah. see, you know, anything else. At least bring <laughs> it up to parity with the Windows and Mac version, because there are a few features in there that are pretty nice. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I'm just sold on the whole ease of use of the WordPress, but, you know, we wanted to include the Maker also because that's another open source project that you can use to manage your, your data. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, there are all kinds of other tools for all of the things that we're talking about here. Uh, and if you just want a an HTML editor that you can use if you already have a website um, and you just need a graphical user interface. Uh, Blue Griffin is one of the tools you can use to do HTML editing. And, you know, if you're on Linux, you can go to your repositories and do a search in there for HTML editor and you'll find lots and lots and lots of them to choose from. Yeah, yeah okay. I guess you <laughs> kind of got a point there. Yep. You can't go uh, two steps into Linux uh, repository without running into uh, the text editors and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and the nice thing about Blue Griffin, the one that I mentioned, is that before the Maker, that's the one I was using, and in fact, uh, it has a nice graphical user interface, and you can preview the pages that you're creating as you're creating them without having to use two or three different programs to do it all. So... Uh, just uh, something to think about. Okay. Uh, now that we've kind of touched on, you know, personal web spaces mm -hmm. and HTML ed editors, let's talk uh, just a little about something a little more different. Sure. Uh, you've heard about Google Hangouts and Skype. We use Skype all the Never time. Heard yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of them. Never heard of them. Yeah, of course. We use them all the time. Yeah. So... I went looking for software or services that use open source as a whole or part um, of these uh, of maybe finding some replacements for Google Hangouts and Skype. Okay. And I found two. Uh, one is called TeamSpeak, and it's not open source, but it is cross-platform. It mm -hmm. is available for Windows, Mac, and um, Linux, but most of the time you can run it on Linux without a problem because right. they have a nice Linux server. So I, I, I threw that in there. But if you really just want to go completely open source, then the other one is Mumble. Okay. I've used Mumble. And Mumble is completely open source. You can do what you want. There's no licensing fees. Uh, you know, TeamSpeak has some licensing fees, but unless you're a power user, most average users pay absolutely zero to use it. Mm-hmm. So, I wanted to see how hard it would be to set one of these up. Okay. And if it was actually cost effective and, you know, how the licenses work, you know, was it a generous license if it wasn't open source, et cetera, et cetera. So, I went and, and, and found a, a, a company that actually hosts TeamSpeak. And I didn't know at the time they actually served or hosted Mumble, too. Okay. Which is, it's incredible, and they do and they use Linux servers, but uh, it was very very cheap. Uh, I've got unlimited bandwidth, five users, for a whole year for fourteen dollars. Wow, that's pretty good. 
<laughs> yeah, and it's always there. You never have to worry about uh, if the service is down. I mean, they have like a 99.9% up rate. So, you know, we've had problems with Skype <laughs> before. Yes, we have. I don't think it could get quite get to 99.9%, right? But, but when I was looking around, I said, well, maybe I need to set up Mumble to see how it does. And then I run across oh, this company services Mumble too. And so there's a little button right on their website that you just click it and it migrates it to Mumble. It will migrate it to Ventrilo. It will migrate it to TeamSpeak. And it's all the same price. Hmm. And it's running on Linux server. And so if you go with Mumble and the Linux server, you're completely open source. That seems uh, pretty attractive. Yeah, I mean, and for 14 bucks a year for five users, because I don't know how many times we've had more than three users on. Right, right. <laughs> so, I mean, you can, it doesn't matter. You know, you can get people, you know, to download it. The software is free to download. Mm -hmm. uh, one's completely free with the big F R N E E. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and one's just free. Okay. Which is that you're free to use it. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I was surprised on how good it sounded, how the uptime, how inexpensive it was. And they had it set up in about 15 minutes. Hmm. Sounds great. So are you suggesting maybe we should switch over to that? <laughs> I, I think we should look into it. Yeah. Or at least have a backup when uh, Skype is not playing nice. Oh, when does that ever happen? <laughs> <laughs> like every other recording session, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I just uh, wanted also, like I said, we were covering websites and, you know, now we went into communications and seeing if there was maybe some alternatives. Mm -hmm. And these two alternatives worked really well. Um, and really, fourteen bucks a year for unlimited bandwidth and five users—it just seems to fit the bill. Yeah. Well, we should give it a try. That sounds great. Okay, so we've covered website Facebook replacements. We've covered the Maker, which is a CMS HTML creator, and we've also explored Google Hangouts and Skype replacements, mm -hmm. which is Mumble and Teamspeak. Now, here's the one that I uh, particularly like. Um, when it comes to managing all your pictures and music and videos, most people use cloud hosting. True? Uh, yeah. Okay. So you've got like Dropbox and Google Drive and, and even Microsoft OneDrive. But usually they're limited to how much you can upload, uh, how much bandwidth you can use, you know, just, and they have a hard limit on how much, unless you upgrade, you know, buy more space. Well, I, I was thinking about this and I was like, wait a minute, if you self-host your own website, you already have some places that you can store your files. Yeah. And some providers allow this and some don't. The one I'm on actually doesn't care. They they basically say, we don't care what you store. You know, you've got 100 gigabytes. You can do whatever you want with it because you've paid for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I said, well, you know, this might actually work out where you don't have to actually have another service since you've already paid for the bandwidth and 
the storage space, why not utilize it? Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're already paying for for the hosting, and if they give you space uh, and you're not using it um, already for storing your podcast episodes or something like that, <laughs> then, uh, yeah, that sounds like a good alternative for sure. But here's where it gets sweeter, uh, this deal. A lot of these uh, companies will offer you like 150 to unlimited uh, storage, but they almost always offer unlimited bandwidth. And when you sign up for a year, they'll actually supply a domain name too. Okay. All right. So you get a domain name for free. You get storage, uh, space-free, unlimited bandwidth. You can then use WordPress to, to host your personal site. You can use that site to host your files. Yeah. So it just seemed like, hey, that was the best of both worlds. So it's kind of the kind of worked all together. If you know, if you got your own hosted uh, site, and most of them had offered the they'll set it up um, the WordPress for you if you call them and say, hey, can you help me? Most of the times they'll they'll have it completely set up and send and send you uh, a list of what you need to do, and it's really it walks you right through it, the right. and everything. Right, exactly. A lot of the web hosting companies just have like a one button click to set up any of these services like WordPress and so on. Yeah, and all you need is like FileZilla, which is an FTP client, to upload these files. Okay. Yeah, I've used FileZilla a lot uh, since we have our own website and we put files up there. Uh, FileZilla is really pretty straightforward. It's open source, cross-platform, and it, uh, you know, is typical open source. It does one job and it does it well. <laughs> yeah, FileZilla works perfectly. It's very easy to use. And like I said, it's if you can uh, operate a web browser, you can operate FileZilla. But you might be saying, but Mary, Bill, what about if I have sensitive documents, you know, and, you know, when I upload them to um, my cloud storage, they encrypt them for me, or so they say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, well, there's a real simple solution. Before you use FileZilla upload them, use an open source encryption program to encrypt them. Yeah, yeah. And we've talked about open source encryption programs, uh, like VeraCrypt, <laughs> those kinds of things. So that would be one way to do it for sure. That way you control the encryption, you control your website, you control your storage, mm -hmm. and there's one less service that you have to worry about. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. Anyway, as you can see, Larry, people do have choices, and open source can be, play a big part in it. Right. So my feeling is the more we encourage the open source use, the more I feel that we'll have applications and services that we'll have more services to choose from. Absolutely. And this certainly hasn't been an exhaustive list of all the open source software that's out there for online media, but it gives you a sampling of some of the things that are available, some of the things you may already be aware of, and maybe some things that you weren't aware of, or maybe even some new use for some things that, uh, that you're already familiar with. So just to cover off what we've talked about, we've talked about 
using WordPress as a replacement for Facebook, using the Crybook theme, perhaps. Uh, we've talked about WordPress for establishing a quick website and uh, using that as a website creation application. And you can even use your own website for file storage. We've talked about the Maker as cross-platform CMS that generates standard HTML and CSS. We've talked about Mumble and TeamSpeak for audio conferencing on the web. And we've talked about FileZilla for FTP software, moving files around uh, and up to your website and storing them there. We've talked about VeraCrypt as well as, uh, as encryption software. Does that pretty much cover it, Bill? I think pretty much it does cover everything that uh, we talked about today. But just so you know, we – I know this is not an exhaustive list, uh, but I wanted to give people some ideas about how to integrate open source to control your media needs, you know, online media needs, uh, offline media needs. You know, there's so many – great programs that we can use and the more we use them i think the more uh people will write or improve what we have already yeah sounds like we've at least opened the door for some people to uh get some ideas as to what you could do i hope so i hope so but i actually have an application pick okay what's that it's called adam this is how they bill Adam, a hackable text editor for the 21st century, and I include the link in the show notes. Okay, so I haven't taken a look at Adam. Let me take a look at it here and see why we need yet another text editor. It's pretty cool. It's got colors. <laughs> <laughs> and themes, and it's customizable. And is it another Emacs? <laughs> uh, it makes Emacs look stupid. Okay. All right. Oh, it's, it's, and there's a deb file and an RPM, so it's prepackaged. Yeah, there is. Emacs. Yeah. Very <laughs> and nice. I actually started on uh, my uh, my Linux box and my Windows box. Okay. And what's nice is that you can when you when you have it, you can uh, tell you're looking for say Python and any plugins that is available for that will pop up and you can load them in. So it kind of uh, gives you a, a, like a working library to, to, to use. And also it might automate, automate some stuff. Okay. So it, it's really cool. I, I've quite enjoyed, uh, well, playing with it. I haven't really done much with it, but I've enjoyed clicking the buttons. <laughs> no, that's cool. So maybe, maybe you could use it to, uh, you know, add a page or two to our website or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really want me to add pages uh, maybe not. to website? Maybe not. But, yeah, uh, because it looked like uh, it was written in crown. <laughs> well, it'd be pretty colors. With magenta. <laughs> 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 anyway, yeah, Adam, hackable text editor for the 21st century. Something else to take a look at. I don't see it in the Linux Mint repositories, but maybe it's too new for that. Uh, I don't get any sense from the website how new this is, but it certainly does have some unique properties and unique features. So it's worth taking a look at if you're looking for a new text editor. And it's cross-platform. OS, yeah, OS 10, Windows, and Linux. Ah, nice. So that's always a good thing. 
I'm all about uh, uh, using open source when we can. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks for that, Bill. That's good. I appreciate it. And thanks for uh, writing up this episode for us. I uh, think you did a good job. I, it's good, uh, good topic. And as always, our next episode will be a listener feedback episode. Until then, you can go to our website at goingonlinks.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We are the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. And if you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux podcast Google Plus community. Until next time, thanks for listening. 73. music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.